0: Amen. Uh, Listen, I I could listen to that all day. We're going to have a chance to continue to worship uh, with Raul and Stephen as we continue on a little bit later in the service. Uh, But man, I'm glad that you came here today. This is special. We don't always have a chance to worship with our brothers and sisters from Romania, uh, as we're glad to do. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Hey, uh, before we jump in for today, I want to also introduce another friend of ours from Romania. Some of you guys uh, have seen him before, uh, but anytime we have our mission partners uh, on site, we Love to be able to introduce them so you can continue to get to know them well. And I want to reintroduce a good friend of mine, uh, Doctor Christy Lucacci, uh who's uh, the headmaster of the Richard Wurmbrand Christian School, where we have been partnering for years and years. Uh, you probably have heard about our mission trip uh, that I get to go on uh, every year. We've been going there for gosh, what eight, nine years now. Uh, we're heading back again this year, uh, but but Christy is here today, and I, I really wanted him to learn a little bit more about uh, just what. Is is going on in Romania. And so for, for the folks who are new, and we get a lot of new folks, man, tell us a little bit about Yash and the, the, the spiritual challenge that you find yourself in.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. It's a great uh, time for us to be here. We're very excited to uh, see you all again. Uh, thank you for having us. Uh, so Yash is the second largest city in Romania, uh, and uh, it is in the northeastern part uh, of Romania at the border with Republic of Moldova and in the north Ukraine. Um, There are less than 1% evangelical Christians in the city of Yash. It's a very dark place spiritually, uh, and uh, the only way that we can reach people is through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the school is a great venue uh, to present the gospel to the students, uh, to the families, and uh, uh, to all the people actually in the city.
0: Yeah, and look, we could we could go on and on just about the Christian school. Uh, they've got over uh, six hundred students in multiple you know schooling environments that are there. Have been doing this for almost thirty years there in the city. Highest test scores uh, in the uh, in the entire city, if not the region. I mean, it is incredibly successful. Uh, but what I've been learning in, in the past few years is that. What, what the school does goes far beyond just what happens during the academic year. This past year, uh, I got to go back and teach a, a seminary class, uh, because as part of what is happening, you guys have started a, a kind of a wing of Midwestern Seminary, because there is no evangelical seminary education available, so I got to go be a part of that, but then I found out while I was there that even more was going on, so just... Uh, w- Remind everybody of all the things that was happening just the one weekend I was there.
1: Yeah, It, it was uh, great to have Adam during the, the school, while the school was in session. So he actually got to uh, speak in the chapels, to go into the classrooms. So while, while he was there, besides uh, teaching the seminary class where we have uh, 60 students enrolled, leaders uh, from different churches, young people who want to um, uh, be discipled and uh, make disciples as well, uh, we had a parents' conference. Uh, uh, we had like 500 people who showed up. Uh, we had uh, an adoption conference organized on the premises of the school. Um, we had the, the seminary class going on. It's just exciting exciting to see uh, how the sc- the school through all the ministries that we have. We have another kindergarten that we started in the in Bucharest. Uh, we have an international school uh, where our goal is to reach the international community in Iași. Where we have 135. Uh, students enrolled. So there are different venues through which uh, uh, God uh, helps us to reach these people for Christ. Yeah.
0: And, and, and look, and this is, this is what was so encouraging to me is that the school really is becoming an, a, a hub for all these other churches. There's a church that meets on site. Philokalia meets on site. Uh, the, the, the rough population of Yash is...
1: Half a million people.
0: Half a million. And how many evangelical Christian churches roughly would we talk about? Uh, We
1: have like 10 evangelical churches, uh, but uh, uh, all all these churches uh, have in total like 3,000 people. Yeah.
0: For a city of half a million. That's what we're really kind of trying to address and help out with. Uh, And I love that we're not working just with one church, but with all of those churches. Uh, I've preached in multiple of those churches uh, in the times uh, that I've been here. And so, look, this is why you guys are expanding. You've got a a great new project happening. Tell them a little bit about what you are trying to do.
1: Yeah. Currently, the school is located uh, at one of the local churches there uh, and uh, on a land of less than half an acre. Uh, so we cannot grow there anymore. We have 700 students. So our vision is to reach more people for Christ. So uh, we uh, acquired uh, a land of five acres, and we want to build a new campus uh, for the school. And we're trying to raise uh, the crazy amount of $10 million uh, for man That's a lot. Uh, but we have seen the Lord working so far, so we raised uh, the $2.6 million so far. Uh, the, 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 the vision is to... Um, make new leaders for romania and uh, leaders not only uh, in churches but in different fields uh, so they can uh, testify for christ in their um, uh, areas as well so uh, uh, we want to build this new campus in a very good area in the city um, uh, close to the uh, new development area And uh, we want to build a campus for uh, uh, 1,200 students. And we also keep the current location where we'll have 500 students. So uh, basically, we want to triple in size over the next five years
0: which last time we were there, we took our team. We actually got to pray over this site. They've already bought the land. We've seen where it's going to be uh, and kind of getting that vision for it. And look, we've been partnering with you for over a decade and seeing the growth, not just at the school, but what God has done through y'all. It's exciting to be able to look ahead and see what God is going to do. And so look, I hope that you will be praying uh, for Christy, all of his teachers, the entire team, and for what is happening. Uh, For whatever reason, the Lord has chosen us to be involved in some very specific places around the world. We can't be uh, involved everywhere, but the Lord has given some very specific places. Just like Ensenada, Yash Romania is one of those places. So I hope you'll continue to join with us as we partner with Christy and his team uh, in reaching Yash for Christ. Uh, and so let's, let's pray for them if we could. Would you will bow with me for a moment? Lord Jesus, I am so grateful uh, that you walked this man into this building uh, to build a friendship, a partnership, not just with me, Lord, but with this entire church. Uh, For what you are doing, uh, eight hours away, uh, eight time zones away, you've built this very specific partnership to help us love our brothers and sisters who need to know you. Hundreds of thousands of people, Lord, who don't walk with you, uh, who need to. And So we are thankful for what you have done all, all through the life of this school, for what you are doing now. But Lord, we see the potential of what you could be doing we ask for blessing, we ask for provision, we ask for protection. God, you've given vision, but now, Lord, will you provide the right teachers, the, the, the right church partners, God, uh, other partners and uh, churches here in America, like ours, to join alongside the Richard Wurmbrand Christian School, with Christy and his whole team, as they continue to lead and serve in your name. And so, God, thank you for what you're doing, but we ask in the name of your son, Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would continue to bless our brothers and sisters there. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. And we all said, amen. Amen. My brother, I love you. Thank you very much. Can we honor Christy for being here uh, with us today? And look, we do have brothers and sisters who watch online all the way from Romania uh, often. And so welcome. It's good to speak to you guys as well. Hey, grab your Bibles now, if you will. Let's go to Psalm 98. Uh, Psalm 98 is where we're going to be today. Uh, As we continue our series called Reaction, Uh, we are learning something important. We are learning that all worship is a reaction. It's a response to who God is. And so it's not something we just drum up. It's not something we just do ourselves. We are responding to who God is and what he has done. And that leads to different responses. And we're learning what those different responses are. And we're also learning there's really no wrong response except to not respond at all. Uh, To to not respond in any way, shape, or form would be a poor or an improper response, but we've already learned a couple different ways uh, that we can respond, and we'll learn another one today, and we'll find that in Psalm 98. Uh, While you are there turning to Psalm 98, uh, let me ask you this question. Uh, What is your favorite thing? Like when I just say that, what's the first thing that pops in? What is your favorite thing? You might have a couple that come to mind. What's your favorite thing? And you might have a couple of ideas in your mind, but I'm not really asking you today. If you want to have a fun exercise at lunch, here's what you need to do. Don't tell your friends or your family what it is. Ask them to tell you what your favorite thing is, because they will be able to accurately tell you what your favorite thing is. And here's why. You talk about it all the time. You do. Whatever your favorite thing is, you talk about it. You can't stop talking about it. You may have thought it was this one thing that said, oh no, it's this. Like, no, yes, it's this. You talk about it incessantly, to which you might reply, no, I talk about it an appropriate amount. Because it is objectively awesome, right? It is either your team, it's your hobby, it's your sport, it's this guy, it's your kids, it's something in your life. And you say, but they're so amazing, how could I not Talk about them. You might not even know that you're talking about them as much as you are. The rest of us do. Because we hear that. Everybody does this. Because when you and I experience something great, we can't help but talk about it. This is normal. That's good. We're excited and we want to share and we can't help but praise. That's what we're doing. When we we bring up something that we love, a show, a game, an event, a a person, uh, you're praising them. You're saying, this is amazing. Have you seen it? This is awesome. Do you you know about it? Do you remember it? we're, we're, We're praising. It's a part of the joy that comes with experiencing different things in life. And that is appropriate. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Continue to enjoy what you enjoy. But my question for this morning is this. Do we find ourselves praising the Lord in the same manner? Do we find that we just can't help but to talk about the Lord? Do we find that we just have to find ways to bring him up in conversations? We just inevitably end up talking about him, sharing with him even more than we recognize because we praise him, do we find ourselves talking about the Lord in the same kind of intensity, the same kind of joy, the same kind of frequency that we talk about these other things that we love so much in life? Because praise is one of the most important ways that you and I are going to worship. Is what we've been doing uh, right in this worship service. We did it a moment ago. We're going to do it in a few minutes. Hence, we're going to praise him. And that's what you see in Psalm 98. Now, before I jump into the psalm, a couple notes. Um, uh, this week and next week are really linked. We're going to be talking about two different aspects of praise there is, or worship. There is praise, and then there's also reverence and awe on the other. Now, Most of us live on a spectrum between those two things as far as which one we like more. Some of us like praise and kind of exuberant worship, and some of us really like more contemplative, reflective kinds of worship. And here's what you need to understand. We need both. You got to have both. And so if you're on the praise side of things, you're going to like today, I promise, right? Uh, But if you're not, you're more on the more reflective side, I need you to lean in today. I need you to listen because this might be a little bit out of your comfort zone. But next week, the opposite's going to happen. Everybody who enjoys praise is going to need to lean in and recognize there needs to be some reverence and some awe as well. It's not an either or kind of thing. We all need both. Uh, But this week, I really want to look at this uh, reaction of praise. And so look at Psalm 98. You might remember that these psalms are a book of songs. Uh, These were songs that were used in worship. We don't have the melodies anymore, uh, but they are written by worship leaders. Worship leaders like David and Asaph and, and other worship leaders, they use these in the temple. In the same way that we have songs in our worship services, they had songs in their temple worship, and these psalms were songs that they would use in that worship. And so just imagine what kind of song or melody might accompany these words. Psalm 98 says this, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and all who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. It is a psalm of praise. Now, I do not think it is possible to read this psalm in a less than exuberant manner. Even without looking at the melody here or the song sheet, I think we're to make a, a proper assumption that this was an exuberant kind of song. So Adam, well, how can you make that assumption? Well, first off, we note that it is loud. Did you catch that? This is a loud psalm. Look at verse 4. Look what it says. Make a joyful noise. All right, that's not a joyful murmur. It's a joyful noise to the Lord. Break forth into joyous song. We don't normally break forth into a quiet recitation of facts. We break forth into song. You, you can't keep it in. It just erupts out of you. That is loud. Look at verse 7. Look what it says. Let the sea roar, right? Look at verse 8. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. This is loud. This is not reserved. This is exuberant kind of praise that has a place for us. Furthermore, uh, look at all the instruments that get mentioned here. Look at verses 5 and 6. In verse 5, it says this, with the lyre, with the sound of melody, right? And then in verse 6, it says, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. So you've got a couple different instruments there. But the more you read psalms like this, you see all of the instruments represented. I studied Psalm 150 this week. If you read Psalm 150, you not only get the lyre and the trumpet, you're also going to get the lute and the pipe. So you got wind instruments. You're going to get the strings and the harp. So you got stringed instruments. You're going to get a tambourine and cymbals, loud clashing cymbals. And so you got percussion going on there. We've already got the horns mentioned here. What they're basically saying is bring the band. Like get everybody, get all the things, man, make some music to the Lord. This is loud. This is exuberant. When we're talking about praise, this is not a quiet, reflective moment, man. This is an out loud, exuberant praise of the Lord. This is one of the proper reactions we have to him. And for many of us, they said, man, I am on board. Man, I love that. I am excited about that. But let's be honest, a few of us are a little less exuberant, okay? We are. You might go, go mm, I don't know about that. Adam, I didn't grow up in that kind of tradition. Adam, it's just not my style. That's not my, my, my personality. I just don't know if that's, that's my thing, right? And so maybe if you, you're a little high strung, Adam, we all know that. Right? But maybe it's you, right? But that's not me. And so I'll do my thing, you do you, thing. but maybe you can praise and I'll do reverence and we'll both be fine. No, no, he's, this is not uh, about personality. But, but look, I recognize that you might have some objections. You say, first off, Adam, I can't make myself joyful. And Adam, don't tell me to be exuberant. You can't make me feel exuberant. And that's True. In fact, we we feel cheated or manipulated if people try to make us feel that way. You ever done that? with people, they use certain type of songs or certain type of things to make you feel something. That's not good. We instinctively recoil from that. But furthermore, you might say, Adam, I can't make myself feel happy if I'm not. But that's interesting. Look at verse 1, though. It says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. In verse 4, he says, make a joyful noise. To the Lord. Verse five, sing praises. What's interesting here is that these are commands. The commands. Like, sing. Like, if you feel like it, maybe kind of sing. It's like, no, sing. Make a joyful noise. Sing a new song. Like, these are commands that are saying, hey, no, we should do this. But maybe a better way of thinking about this is, is less of a command and more of an invitation. These people are praising exuberantly and saying, hey, come praise with me. Hey, praising him is right and it is good. Come praise with me. It is an invitation to join him. So no, you're not being forced to do this, but it's natural. Look, if you can worship the Lord and you go for weeks and weeks on end and there's absolutely no emotion attached to it, that ought to be a strong red flag to you. If you can go two months, six months, where you just kind of go through the motions, but there's zero emotion attached to your worship, that's a serious red flag. Because those emotions just kind of naturally occur with the things that we love. We don't have that problem with all those other things that we mentioned. So there's no emotion. All right, that ought to be a red flag to us there. Secondly, you might say, Adam, God doesn't need my praise. He doesn't need it. Uh, you might even find it weird that God would say, you should praise me. That might sound weird to you, right? You say, Adam, surely God is not so vain and that he needs me to compliment him. Surely he is not so insecure that God just needs me to tell him how pretty he is, right? Surely that's not a problem with the Lord. In fact, we find it a little bit distasteful when people fish for compliments. You know people like this? Don't point, that's rude, Okay. I mean, we people are fishing for a compliment, you go, man, what are you doing, right? It's not genuine if you have to fish for it. So why is the Lord fishing for it here to say, say hey, you're, you, you need to, to praise me? No, that's not really what's happening here. The goal is, or the point is, is that not God needing our worship. It's actually the opposite. We actually need to praise him. Let me give you a couple of reasons why. If you're a little bit skeptical today about praise, let me give you three reasons why we need to praise him. The first one is this, is because it is the right thing to do. And I mean this very particularly. It is the right thing to do. In fact, it is the only right thing to do when faced with a God this incredible, the only right thing to do would be to praise him. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Reflection on the Psalms, really wrestled with this. Uh, If you know Lewis's story, Lewis was an atheist until he was in his 30s. And so when he finally begins to worship the Lord, he's going through all these things. And he says, look, when I read the Psalms, it seemed weird to me. Why is God asking for praise? He wrestled with these questions until he realized, wait a minute, that's the only really proper response you can give. When you face a God who is this incredible, when you see his grandeur, when you see his glory, how could you not praise him? How could you not worship him? How could you not honor him? The most proper response is praise. When you see a grand sunset, when you see something like the Grand Canyon, it naturally elicits a response of praise. I flew over the Grand Canyon a couple months ago. First time I'd seen it in years. We flew over it for 20 minutes. And I just sat with my face glued to this tiny window, just marveling. At how big it is. Like, look at that thing. The most natural response is to praise. It would be, in fact, unnatural not to praise the Lord. Almost as if we're looking and going, nope, I'm not going to see it. Like we're shutting our eyes going, nope, nope, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see any more of his grandeur. I don't want to see more of his glory. I don't want to see how good he is. I don't want to see any more uh, reasons to give him praise. If we're just shutting our eyes and saying, I'm not. Going to worship. Why would we do that? That that seems mean. It, It seems empty. And it certainly saps the joy away from us. The only proper reaction is to say, God, you are worthy. I'm going to give you praise when I see you. I want to give you praise for who you are and what you have done. Here's the second thing. Praise reorients our perspective praise reorients our perspective. This is why praise is, is necessary. It is so necessary for us as humans, but especially for us as Americans. We as Americans absolutely need a steady diet of praise in our lives. Here's why. Because when you and I come to praise, it takes the attention off of ourselves. It is impossible to praise, to truly praise God, and to keep thinking about yourself. All the attention is going to Him. You're looking at how great He is. You're giving praise to how great He is, to all the things that He has done, and what He is doing in your life. All the attention is on the Lord. You and I live in a culture where we walk out of those doors, and it's the opposite. Everything is telling us to revolve everything around ourselves. All of your technology warps everything right to your own whims, your own inclinations. It it makes everything all about you. We're constantly being told to make everything about what we feel, and about what we think, and about our identity, and what we want at all points. It's all about me, 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 I, 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 whatever I want, my problems, my issues, my traumas, my stuff. We make it all about ourselves. And when you and I come to praise, all of a sudden it flips it. All of a sudden, now we, we see Him, and go, wait a minute! You are worthy of praise, and the attention gets taken off of ourselves. We get a proper perspective on ourselves. I remember a guy saying this when I was in college. I, I was at a chapel service. I don't remember who said it, but I have stu- it's stuck with me for thirty years. Uh, this guy said that, hey, if you're ever dealing with any kind of depression in your life, one of the first things that you need to do. Is, is practice the good principle, G O O D, which just means get out of doors. He said, literally, just go outside. If you're stuck, Going woe is me, and you got all these issues. Just, just for starters, just go outside. Because I, I don't know about you, but I've experienced this man when you're when you're depressed and you're 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 feeling like the world's closing in on you, and you're sitting in your room and, and it just feels like the walls are closing in, and all of you you're thinking about your problems and your issues and how bad it is, and it's never going to get any better, and you're it's almost like it's bouncing off the walls, just right back at you, and you just you're just kind of collapsing in underneath it. Man, one of the most healthy things you can do is just go outside. Because when you go outside, all of a sudden you look around and go, wait a minute, those problems don't seem as big as they did a moment ago. They're still here, they're still real, but look at how big the world is. Wait a minute, the world that has been here much longer than I have and will be here longer after I have been. Look at all the other people, look at all the stuff that's going on. It puts our struggles in a different perspective. I'm not telling you that's gonna cure your depression, but it'll help. It'll help. And that's what praise does for us. This is why you and I need a steady diet of praise. Weekly, not once a month, not once every two months, but every single week we need to be here because, man, just one hour, it reorients our perspective towards the Lord. Here's the third thing. It completes our joy. It completes our joy. It's joyous to praise it is all about the Lord, but the Lord actually gives us joy. It is, it is fun to praise with other people. It completes our joy to praise and to share that with one another. We don't just praise in our cars by ourselves. We do this together as a people. And look, we just naturally do this with anything. We, we want to share it. The reason why your friends know all about your favorite thing is because we want to share it. We're not trying to bore them. We want to share The joy with them. Have you ever had this happen? Uh, You ever had a a favorite show and you keep telling your friends to watch it and they just won't? Isn't that annoying? Seriously, it is so annoying when you've got this great show and you want people to watch it and they will not watch it. It just annoys you. Now, why is it annoying? You ever thought about that? It's not because they're not doing what you said. That's not the problem. You wanna share the experience. You've just had a great experience with this thing, and you really want somebody else to share it with. He said, "Man, I read this book. Why don't you read it? I saw this movie. I want you to see it. Man, I ate at this new restaurant. It was amazing. I Man, you take people out of the restaurant. Oh, hey, I tried this. You should try that. You're not trying to force their, their culinary decisions. You're trying to share a joy." You want somebody else to enjoy what you enjoy so you can share it together. When you and I praise the Lord together, we, it completes our joy to say we see this about the Lord and we want other people to join with us because it completes our joy, the joy that we experience in the Lord. You see why praise is so important for us? We need it. And so, look, ooh, whenever you come in here for worship, I just want to encourage you to do something. Just every week when you come in, man, take a moment and realize what we're doing. This is not about us. When we come in, regardless of what we come in, look. I know some of you come in screaming on two wheels. It's hard to get to church on Sundays. I get that, man. You had to get all the kids ready to get here, man. Maybe you had a fight with your wife. Maybe you were sick all week. You had stuff going on, man. You're just happy. We're lucky you're here, right? You're just lucky I'm alive. I made it here. Dude, don't tell me what to do. I know I'm 15 minutes late. Don't tell me, man. I got here. Man, I'm here. I get that. But man, when you get here, you got to take a moment. You got to make a choice to recognize that in these moments, it ain't about us. We are coming to give him praise. We're coming to say, you are great. You are awesome. You are amazing. I come to give you praise praise. That's our reaction to Him. And if you don't make that choice as you come in, man, you might be 45 minutes into the sermon before you, or the service before you finally click into that. And man, we need to give Him honor praise. So man, just take a breath. As you come in, just a, alright. This is about Him. I'm turning my attention to Him Okay, that begins to help us. And look, there's three things we can focus on very quickly. Three things uh, that can help us as we try to do that. First off, we want to focus on who God is. We want to focus on who God is. Look at verse one and notice what it says He says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. We'll talk about that in a moment. Look at the next two lines His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. All right, so his right hand, the right hand was also the the hand of power. It was the side of authority, right? So we see that God is powerful. He is omnipotent. He can do all things. When you come in this room, you're not by yourself trying to figure out your own problems. No, there's a God who is powerful. Furthermore, his holy arm, all right, we're anthropomorphizing the Lord here. But his holy arm, he's not just powerful, he is good, He's perfect, he's holy in all that he does. Everything he does is good in all ways. Look at the next line. Uh, the Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. All right, so now he's righteous as well. He is rightly related to everybody. He never stabs you in the back. He never never double crosses you. He never does anything out of spite or envy or anger. He says, no, he is always righteous in all of his dealings. Look at verse 3. He has remembered his steadfast love and his faithfulness. So the Lord is steadfast. He doesn't vacillate. He's not ruled by his emotions, which means his steadfast love is secure. I don't have to worry about losing it. God's not surprised by what happens or what I do. He's always going to be steadfast. He's always faithful. Even when I am faithless, he remains faithful. God has always been faithful. He is faithful now. He always will be faithful, which gives me security. I want to praise the faithfulness of the Lord. And then look at the end of verse three. He says, uh, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. The Lord is not just my God or our God. He's the God of the whole earth. Just a moment ago, we got led in a Romanian hymn. Did you hear it? We had English on the screen, Romanian in your ears. We're gonna worship with our brothers and sisters. Right now, there's churches in Romania. I've preached in one that are doing their worship services right now. Christian in Royal Church, I did this like eight hours ago. They're ahead of us a little bit. But our God is the God of the whole earth. There's people worshiping the Lord in languages all over the planet. Look how grand, look how great, look how glorious, look how unlimited our God is. We have reasons to worship him for who he is and what he has done. Just by his very nature, God deserves praise. So look, we've been singing this song, and we're going to sing it in a few minutes, uh, called A Thousand Names, right? Uh, and we say things. Let me put a couple of lyrics up on the screen and look at what it says. This is what we sing when we sing the song. You are rock of ages. You're the great I am. You are king forever, the beginning and the end. You are Lord and servant. You're the son of man. You're the lion of Judah. You're the risen lamb. I can do a sermon on every one of those. If you gave me one phrase, we could worship God for the entire time with any one of those phrases and say, God, you're great. You are amazing. You are incredible. And we can praise God simply for who he is. And look, all good worship praise music will do that. If the only thing you care about in your praise music is the beat, if all you care about is the style, and you're not looking at content, you have missed the point. You've just found a style of music you like. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's just not praise music. Good praise music points you back to God where you see a new facet of him. You see a deeper complexity in him. You see more reasons to give him honor and glory. That's what good praise does. And look, we should find this everywhere. Good theology should do that. It should make, show you more about the Lord, where you praise Him even more for what He has done. Scripture does this. It reveals more of who God is. Do you know that architecture actually does that? Architecture can actually help you with this. This is why we have a cross in here, to continually draw our attention towards the Lord. There's another one in the room as you're coming in. As long as I am pastor here, you will always see a cross somewhere visible everywhere in this room. Why? Because we worship the Lord above all things. Architecture ought to do that. My favorite building on the planet is not this one, sadly. Uh, it's St. Paul's Cathedral in London. I love it. So Christopher Wren, who built this, is 365 feet tall, and he says, when I built it, I want it to be bigger on the inside. I want people to feel like it's bigger on the inside. Why? To make people marvel? No, to point people to the grandeur of God. Look how big this thing is. And in every nook of it is drawing your, 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 your eye forward. Go to the next one. Uh, this is, this actually, there's me. Uh, look at those doors. How can you be prideful in front of those doors? Look at how small we are. Look at how grand it is, and we get to be a part of it. Man, every bit of that is drawing you into not you, but pointing you away from yourself towards the Lord. That's what good praise does. It recenters as we focus on who the Lord is. Secondly, we focus on what he's done. It's not just who he is, it's what he's done. Look at verse one. It says sing to the Lord a new song, he has done marvelous things. What are those things? Well, we can continue to talk about him. We don't just praise God for who he is in his nature. We can. We also praise him for what he has done. And when you see him, it ought to engender a response. Again, go to a thousand names and look at this. Uh, It says, you are ocean parter. You will make the way. You are death defeater. You have risen from the grave. Again, every one of those, we could do a full sermon on of like the things that God has done. Because when you begin to appreciate God's acts it, it engenders praise. It engenders worship. If you think you are incapable of this, I beg to differ. Because if you've ever watched game day on Sunday m- or Saturday mornings, and you've seen all those special videos that they show that you're crying about the end of, and you don't know why you're crying. If you've ever watched 30 for 30, if you've ever watched any of the NFL films, if you ever saw the movie Rudy, if you ever did any of these things... You're watching these things. It's about a sport some of you don't even care about, about a team you don't care about, about a player you've never heard of. And by the end of it, you're like, Rudy, right? It's amazing. Why? You're, you're watching this segment. I, 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 just, I don't even know who these people are. But you begin by the end of the segment to appreciate what they have accomplished, what has happened. And when I see those accomplishments, it engenders a response. How can we not do that with the Lord? when we see who he is and all the things that he has done, all the ways he he has helped us, how do we not praise him? And then finally, we praise him for what he's done for us. We praise him for what he's done for us because guess what? We are not disinterested observers, are we? This is not academic. We're not just looking at something from afar. No, I'm involved in this because when Jesus dies, he doesn't just die, he dies for me. He dies for you. When you and I look at that cross, we ought to see ourselves up there because we built it. It's our sins. It's my sins. Even if you guys weren't here, my sins are enough to build that cross. And Jesus Christ still, because of his love for me, would have come, died on the cross just for me. And he'd do it just for you too. When you and I praise the Lord, we are not disinterested. We say, God, you have done all these things for me. You have been faithful to me. You have been powerful and provided for me. God, you have your steadfast love for me. We get to receive all these amazing things. How could we not give him praise for that? How could we hold ourselves back? How could we keep a reserved demeanor when God has given all of these things to us? Look at what he's done for us. And so when you and I see who he is, we see what he's done, and we see that all these things are for us, how can we not fail to praise? Uh, John Piper, in his kind of most famous book, Desiring God, picked up on an idea uh, that he admittedly uh, got from C.S. Lewis in that same book I referenced called The Reflection of the Psalms. Uh, where he makes notice about the Western shorter Catechism or the Westminster shorter Catechism, where the very first line it says this: "What is the first question? What is the chief end of man?" Here's the answer: The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Did you catch that? The purpose of our existence is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Well, what Lewis points out is this: those two things are the same thing. That's what Piper picked up too. You glorify God by enjoying him forever. It's the same thing. When I see the Lord, I enjoy him. And when I enjoy him, I glorify him. And when I glorify him, I enjoy him. Our praise is the natural response. We glorify the Lord because we enjoy him. And that leads to even more enjoyment of him. Why would we ever hold ourselves back from that? We have so many reasons to praise. And so this morning, we have an opportunity to do that. So if you would, just go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes where you're at. The worship team is going to come and lead us. Stephen and Raul and our whole team are going to give us an opportunity. And look, no one is encouraging you to do something that you don't want to do or that you feel forced to do. But if there's any part of us that's holding ourselves back, Uh, might I just encourage you just to look to Him? We're not looking for an appropriate response. We're we're looking for real worship, and that comes from seeing Him. Look at who He is. Look at what He has done. Look at what He has done for you. And as we do so... How would we want to express praise to him? We get the moment, we get the opportunity to do that in loud praise today. Maybe you want to kneel there at your seat. We got folks back at the prayer room. You can go and pray with somebody there. I'll be over here on uh, on your left, my right. If you need somebody to pray for there, there's places to kneel up front. You can stand, you can lift your hands. You can sing at the top of your lungs. Do you see why we encourage you to sing and to make these loud responses so that we can encourage one another. We can join together and say, we all see it. see how great He is. We see how powerful. We see how loving. And He is worthy. How could we not give Him praise? And so if you see it this morning, man, respond. If you don't see it, ask the Lord to reveal Himself to you. Don't try to fake it. Just say, God, show me. God, show me. Help me to see it. Pry my eyes open. Dig out my ears that I might see you, hear you, know you in a way I never have before. Because when we do, the natural response will be to praise. And so Father, help us as we sing, as we honor you, as we praise you. We love you today. Would you reveal more of who you are that we might give you the praise that you are rightly due? God, just thank you for how great you are. We choose to give you loud praise in these moments. Let's worship him together.